This is Working the Beat. It is Tuesday night, September 24th, the day baseball season died in Philadelphia officially. I'm Kevin Cooney along with Mike Kern. How hard are we working? We're working hard. We're working like the Phillies? <laughs> we'll, work, working. we'll be working next week, at least. It's, it's, we're going to talk about Gabe later. And I don't, I'm not here to bash Gabe. That's not my intent. I can't, ta- I can't take the rhetoric anymore. And I know I can't expect him to say more. I, I, I get, but it's that somebody asked him today, I think, about the guys playing hard. Oh, well, you know, what does that mean? He scored six runs in the last three games where you had to win the three games. But anyway, anyway, I digress. We will get into the Phillies later on. Let's get on. to Glenn. Well, let's also uh, talk a little bit about the Eagles, obviously, which will who will try to bounce back on a short week. It sounds like Ashon Jeffrey will play on uh, Thursday night in Lambeau Field when the Eagles take on the undefeated Green Bay Packers, Mike Pettin. There's obviously. lots of undefeated teams in the league. There are. Uh, yeah. M- Mike Pettin's defense, prob- probably the best that the Eagles have seen to this point. The Eagles 1-2 and two coming in. I'm actually more concerned with the guy running the other team. Their offense hasn't looked real good as of yet. It's a big advantage on a short week to be home, especially when the other team's a little banged up and reeling. And I know the Eagles are going to be desperate, but that's a tough place. I think they're. I think because the Eagles, you least expect it. I think they're going to give them a real game. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I, I don't think it's all the Eagles games are close. They're never right. It's never two touchdowns. They're an games. awful team against the spread. By the way, we should point out, but well, that's a whole different story, you know, yeah. for another day. But you know, here's the thing: they've played two pretty awful games. You know, and a half, and a half, right? Um, and they could have won all three. So, yeah. I mean, look, I understand the you panic. Sound, you sound like Gabe now. I do. No, there's not. It's, I don't think. I understand a little pan- bit of the panic, panic, but I don't think it should be panic. Because even if you're one and three, in the worst case scenario, you lose and you're one and three and are three conference losses. Mm-hmm. And Dallas wins Sunday, which they may not. In New Orleans, who by the way look a lot better this week than yeah. I thought they would. But go ahead. It's, so you're three games behind. Mm-hmm. The, the goal of winning the division and getting the best record and all this kind of thing, which helps you. That's probably really out of reach or, or pretty close because you have to beat the Cowboys twice, which you could. And the Cowboys have a tough stretch of games too, just like the Eagles do at some point. But it's the season isn't over to me till you get to seven losses. Six losses you may get in. I, I mean, I don't know because there's a lot of teams right now that are – but whatever. The problem is this isn't what people – this isn't what they came in expecting. No. This isn't what they came in anticipating. Mm-hmm. And I thought they could – be two and two after four games, and I, I think everybody also look. You see Dallas at three and zero, and you they see haven't the, played anybody. And I was just gonna say they've played, yo, know, they played Eli, right? They played the Redskins, who but the were Eagles awful. haven't. The Eagles haven't. You can make the argument that they haven't. I mean, look, Detroit's two zero and one. I get it. There's Detroit. Yep. Okay. The Falcons are one and two, and could have been zero and three mm-hmm. except for one play, and the Redskins stink. So I don't think the Eagles really. And I think that's why everybody thought they were going to get off to like a three and one start at worst. Um, and now we're finding things. Forget the injuries. The injuries hurt. Obviously, they hurt. Now, the draft picks to me are the bigger issue. And the, and guys the lack of production playing, from the draft picks. Guys aren't playing mm-hmm. well enough. It's mm-hmm. the bottom line. Fletcher, where's Fletcher Cox? Where's Derek Barnett? Where, two sacks in three games, and one was from a D back. And the other one's from yeah. a guy who's not going to be, yeah, who's not um, going to be here the rest you know, of the year. Dallas Goddard, I mean, look, you're going to drop passes. I get it. 
He drops the pass. Aguilar, Aguilar is this is who Aguilar is. He's going to make a really good play. He's not a number one. Well, no, no and, and, that, and that's pay, what he had pay, to be. You got to get past week. that, though. Right. He, he he made a good play. He, got, he made a touchdown. Then he drops the third down pass against Atlanta. He drops the pass, run down the sidelines, and now you know you. And I guess we're going to get into this with Glenn, the Carson Wentz kind of thing. What I mean, and I somebody call. I was listening to a caller today say that Donovan McNabb a lot of times played with nothing. Mm-hmm. We're next to nothing and won games. And it's a fair point. Two years ago, Carson Wentz was responsible, largely responsible for them getting to 11 and 2. There's no argument there. He was going to be. Yep. But since then, it's not like Carson's went out and maybe won games. Um, and again, maybe not his fault. Aguilar dropping a pass, guys dropping passes. I get all that. But at some point, if this turns out to be like a 9-7 and seven season or a 10-6 and six season where you're losing the first round of the playoffs, people are going to start looking at him, especially when Foles came in and well, did what he did in the postseason. And I think the other p- person... And who, that might not be fair. Right. I think the other person who's going to feel that is going to be the head coach because, you know, look, even if you're, if you're listening to talk radio today, I mean, you know, people are going, you know, Doug has not been the same since Frank Wright left. But he... Wa- but he wa- went Here's to- the problem. He won a Super Bowl. Yeah, he did. And if you're so, going it shouldn't give, matter. If you're going to give the credit to Roy or DiFilippo, and this is the way I would prefer to look at that, because I think Roy's doing a good job in Indianapolis. I think the three of them together worked for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, Roy's gone. DiFilippo's gone. Mm-hmm. I get, but so Doug has a pass for life. That doesn't mean he's going to coach in Philadelphia all his life. That doesn't mean we can't criticize him, or that doesn't mean he couldn't mm-hmm. be gone in a couple years if if. God forbid they just keep going nine and seven or ten and six. And, and but he won a Super Bowl because guys played for him, and that counts. And, and we're only, and we're only I, a year and a half removed from that. I know. I do think that's the bigger flaw here, and, and we'll get into this with our guest tonight. I should introduce our guest is going to be. It's going to be Glenn Mack now uh, from ninety four WIP, the Eagles pre game show host, uh, the host of arguably the most. <clears throat> eagerly awaited radio program on the weekends. It's the with, best radio program. And don't throw weekend into it. No, period. Uh, it, uh, between him and I, Ray Dininger, it is. I'll put it up with, with anything that comes on the radio. Yeah. Uh, so Glenn will join us in a few minutes. But we'll get back to the Eagles, uh, Mike and I, later on. I put more of the blame on Howie and some of the decisions that have been made. And, and we'll get into that a little bit later Let me ask you a question. Is Char- was Charlie Manuel a good manager? Charlie was a good manager. Okay, but at some but, point... But Charlie also, you know, look... But uh, if he hadn't won a World Series, if, if God forbid, they hadn't won in 08, and right. people would look at Charlie differently. But he won a World but Series. But people also... And I'll tell you this from... People believe that Charlie was a different manager when he didn't have Jimmy Williams around either. Jimmy Rollins? Jimmy, Jimmy Williams, his bench coach. <sighs> See, I, I think sometimes... And that may be true. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not saying that that Doug doesn't miss Frank Reich or that Frank Reich or DiFilippo didn't maybe. Um, Their scripted plays are a lot better under those two. But right, that's but, but until somebody comes out and tells me that mm-hmm. Frank Reich scripted the plays, then I'm not going to sit here and say, well, Doug's a dummy. Um, yeah, and I they agree. did play for him. They played for him when mm-hmm. six or seven key guys yeah. went down that year. So I have to give that to the head coach. More than the assists, but it, but it is. It, look, if this season falls apart, whatever falls apart means not not making know, the playoffs or or making the playoffs and losing in the first round or something like that. 
yeah, people will question, and it's it's fair to question. Mm-hmm. But the guy still two years ago won a Super Bowl, and as we've seen with guys like John Harbaugh, you can coach a long time having won a Super Bowl, even if you don't do, maybe do a lot for a while. So mm-hmm. you know, but Philadelphia's a t- tougher town than Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get in the Look gym. How long Jason Garrett's been in Dallas? Nine years. And done what? Has won two playoff games. Yeah. So, <laughs> in fact, let's start it off right now. Let's bring in the prof. It is Glenn Mack now here on Work on the Beat. And joining us now, the host of the Eagles pregame show on 94 WIP, the host of the Prof and R. Diddy on weekends, the best radio show in Philadelphia, we should point out. Both Mike and I agree. It is Glenn Mack now. Glenn, how are you? I'm great, guys. How are you tonight? You, you know what the amazing thing is, Glenn? You survived when I was starting out at WIP many years ago. Like the first two, I think I did Steve Fredericks the first time, and then they threw yeah. me in with you a couple times, and and, and it did help. For all those, <laughs> it, it you know, it, it got me in a little bit. You made me feel very at ease, and, and now you're working with a Hall of Famer. So, you know, you've come a long way. No discernible difference working with you and Ray. Pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah. They both don't know how to use an iPhone. I think that's about it. No, I'm, yeah, no, right. I'm, I'm good. Um, Glenn, Glenn, I you know, I should ask you this. You know, you're one of the, those who did make the leap from – print journalism you were an outstanding reporter at the Inquirer for a long time and then you went to the great sport you and and angelo and mikey miss and all that did the great sports debate jason stark mm-hmm. and then obviously you made the full-time transition to to radio how difficult was that for you when you guys were getting started um it was really just the first couple of shows that are difficult and the biggest, um, the two biggest challenges were it, when you do that are the first thing is you can't edit yourself. Um, when you write, you know, for the newspaper, you sit down and it flows through your fingers. And then you look at the paragraph and you say, now nah, I'm going to change these words. I'm going to move this up, move this down. Hold on. Let me go and check that. When you're doing it on the radio, you're just doing it. And so if you say something stupid, which I've been known to do, you can't go back and change it 15 minutes later before you send it to an editor. So that was, that was uh, an interesting aspect. And then the other part of it that was different was I was never a showbiz guy. Some of the people who do what I do, and I mean this as a compliment, are great at the showbiz angle of it. Angelo is one of the best showmen I've ever seen. He's also one of the smartest people I've ever seen. I don't know that I had that gene in me to the degree that some of the other guys did. And, and just realizing that you're not just, it's not journalism anymore. You're performing. That was something that took some getting used to. It seems to me, Glenn, the one thing and, and your show on the weekends is to me when I'm driving around doing my thing, must listen radio. You seem like you have a lot of fun doing it. And you two guys come across maybe Ray a little bit more as the voice of reasons in a world where we sometimes lose our minds like every other day. And I appreciate that. So I don't know if that's the intent, but it certainly comes across that way. Well, I mean, it's the intent only in the, I mean, Ray's Ray, right? So I'm not going to change. Nothing's going to change who Ray is, right? If, if anybody doesn't particularly care about that aspect of the showbiz thing or 
or the hot take thing, right? Or those aspects of it that, you know, the media, certainly uh, TV and ESPN and those have gone. Ray, Ray could care less about that. He's not going to do it. And I also don't really have interest in doing that kind of radio anymore. Ray and I have a little bit of a luxury in that because we're on in the weekends um, and we're not daily drive time, we 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 can do it a little differently. We're not as caller driven as um, some of the shows are. We really so here's here's the secret of Ray and I. We're good friends. And basically we just sit around over coffee. Well, he didn't drink coffee. He drinks a 32 ounce diet Coke, you know, or, or, or a beer when I can sneak one. And we just hang out for three hours and hope that people enjoy listening to two friends talk. And, you know, I mean, God bless the people of this city. They've allowed it to work for a lot of years, and I appreciate it. And that's exactly how it comes across, Glenn. A- absolutely. And, Glenn, the other thing, too, and I'll, this is the final question on the radio end of it. You've worked at a lot of different time shifts. You had yeah. the middays. You did, obviously, afternoons for a while. A lot of different partners, too. A lot of different partners. Yeah, yeah. The ability to 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 work your style with them um, – how does that work? I mean, how much does it feel like you? And I mean, look, I mean, you, you, you did, you did the nights when, you know, back at the time when, you know, you guys had the flyers and the uh, the Sixers yeah. too. I mean, yeah, that's, t- that's tough, isn't it? Going different day shifts and different partners and shuffling all I around. Basically. Yeah. I basically worked every shift from 10 AM to 2 AM at the other end. Um, and I've worked with a lot, a lot of partners and some great ones. I mean, Ray, Jody Mack was just a great person that yep. broke into the business with Jody and Jody was great. Um, well, it's nice of you to say, yeah, I mean, different day parts are different. So when I did evenings and I did it solo, that was the only show I ever had solo. And I did five years, um, basically seven to 11 or when there was a flyers or sixers game, I'd be on before it, after it, um, that was a that actually was a really fun show because I felt I got a loyal audience that understood what I wanted to talk about and wanted to discuss it back with me. And it also forced me to be creative because I was on against the Phillies. That's when WIP didn't have the Phillies. Yep. So I'm thinking and and some of those years the Phillies were good. It, it was kind of when they were just starting to get good. Mm-hmm. And I had to do creative counter programming. So I started a thing called the movie club for men and we used to talk about movies and that's when I started doing the food hunts. And I realized that if I just sat around and talked baseball and I'm on opposite the Phillies, that wasn't going to work. So it, it was nights were a lot of fun. Um, there's no day part. I haven't liked, there's not a lot of partners I haven't liked. Uh, I've always tried to be more of the setup guy than the goal scorer. I've tried to be Stockton and not Malone, Adam Oates or not Brett Hull. Uh, and that's it's served me well. It's a good thing you never work with Josh Ennis because then you would have had to oh, say that. Oh, that, that's not fair. <laughs> I did some shows with you Josh. Yeah, you know, I know. I know you did. I always got along with Josh. I did a couple of dozen shows with Josh over time. I think I got what he was. I mean, it wasn't always, you know, my cup of tea wasn't always my taste where he was going. Right. But I, I never had a... I never had a grudge with Josh when he was here. We should point out also, Glenn has a book coming out with our buddy, Big Daddy Graham. Uh, another big book of Philadelphia List, right? Volume two? Yeah, we um, basically took a book that we wrote, how many years ago? 12 years ago, and decided it was time to redo it, get all new lists, all new people, just have fun with it. Um, I, this is, I don't know if this is going to sell or not, but we consider it the ultimate bathroom book. 
just put it there and read it chapter at a time for the next five years. And uh, I'm delighted to have written it with Big Daddy. I mean, everybody knows he's going through some tough times. Yep. And, um, you know, hopefully that he will be able to join me on some book signings uh, this holiday season. Glenn, let me let me get you into the Eagles here. Um, you had a column in Metro this week. We should also point out Glenn does a weekly column for Metro about the hot take artist and Carson Wentz. And I think you and I share the share this disdain. It seems like it's become a cottage industry for some people to take any failure of the Eagles, whether it is justified or not, and make it a referendum on Carson Wentz. And I get that's part of the the landscape of being quarterback in Philadelphia, but it's gone over the line now, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it has, um, Kevin, except I also think that part of the truth of this is that I, I just think it it's not fair, but part of it goes with the job. And I'm, and this is not defending it because, I I mean, I wrote it and I agree with what you just said. Um, I think this, I think Jaworski got the same stuff. I think Randall got the same stuff. Uh, you know, I, I often saw a fault with McNabb, but thought sometimes he was picked apart too much, but I think it's really easy, uh, and sometimes lazy to just make the quarterback be the guy that you're gonna blame for everything. And if you really look at the first three games of the Eagles and one of decide who's to blame for those two bad losses Carson Wentz doesn't even make the first busload of culprits no no which leads to the question who does make the busload of culprits right now who's number one on your list right now for this disappointing start pass rush and a defensive line you know you can you can take it down to take it to Brandon Graham if you like take it to uh, a first round pick a couple of years ago who's never played like a first round pick. Um, I, I think that's the biggest problem. You don't have a particularly good secondary last year. You had a pass rush that was able to compensate for that secondary. They, Chris long retired, Michael Bennett, they let him go and they never really you know, replaced him. I don't, I don't think Vinny Curry was the answer. And I think that's, that's the part that's killing you the most. You know, the second is, receivers dropping the ball well you don't have Deshaun Jackson you don't have all Sean Jeffrey but still Nelson Aguilar's got to got to hold the ball like that guy caught that baby the other day <laughs> getting back to Carson for a quick minute how much of that has to do with what Foles did because there's really not anything that I can think of that's ever happened like that where a guy came off the bench won a Super Bowl for you the next year you know after the other guy gets you in that position the next year comes in when the guy gets hurt and almost leads you to at least the NFC championship game, and then he's gone. And sure. I, I just think if if that just has so much to do with people saying, well, Nick got it done, you know, Nick did this, or and I agree with you, I think it's totally unfair, but I think until Carson wins a Super Bowl or at least maybe gets to a Super Bowl, I don't think that's ever going to go away. That's a great point. I mean, Carson's biggest sin remains that he's not Nick Foles, and he didn't lead the Eagles to that Super Bowl title. And I mean, I'm just going to say what you just said, that the, the criticism, which I think is often shoddy criticism, is going to continue until he does. The good news is I think he can handle it. Um, I don't know if I can handle it, but I think he can, <laughs> he can handle it. But, yeah, that's clearly that's a part of it. Everybody falls in love with the backup quarterback. This time the backup quarterback came in and did wondrous things. So, sure, everybody's going to – and listen – I, I love Nick Foles as well. You know, we all do. Um, but that should not reflect on how people view 
anything Carson is doing right now. And, and along those lines, Glenn, does, the thing with the coach now, because it seems to be everybody's well, when you had Frank Reich here and, and DiFilippo, boy, they were really good. And, and now, like, he can't call plays. He can't do this. He can't. And he's always going to, I mean, you're never going to take the Super Bowl away. They played for him. They won. They, they beat the Patriots. But I think he's going to get some of that, too, until they do something really good again. Yeah, well, except I think they do miss Frank Reich. I, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I, I mean, listen, I'm not in their meetings during the week and I'm, you know, I, I, I don't want to talk about what I don't know, but here's, here's what I was told by the Eagles at the time. Frank Reich's Frank Reich had two big, big roles in the offense. He was very much involved in what they did in third downs and very much involved in the red zone, actually three things and very much involved in planning those scripted plays. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, the Eagles scored in the first quarter this week on the first drive. That was good. But going back to when Frank Reich left, they have not been good in the first quarter, 41 points last year. Can I say, you know, that's entirely because Frank Reich left? No, again, I'm not there in the meetings, but it's, it seems a parallel that's, that's certainly worth looking at. Uh, and they haven't been a good red zone team. I see what Frank Reich is doing in Indianapolis. Yeah. I think he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. You lose a great coach, you do lose something, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and, you know, I do think that, we're you know, and I've been thinking about this all week, and I actually texted a, a colleague of yours about this. Um, I think that the one person that's getting off easy on this right now is Howie. And I think the reason why yeah. is, look, the thing that gets me is, they're almost fi- falling into, and I want to say flyer syndrome here, okay? They could have walked away from Brandon Graham last year, okay? Mm-hmm. Instead, they brought him yeah. back, and, and Brandon Graham did not have a great last year. I he had a big play in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I almost, but, but you can't I, no, say Kevin, what you, I'm, I'm, Kevin, I'm with you. I'm with you. I hear you. Say what, I you hear want, you. say what you want about Joe Banner. Joe Banner always knew yeah. when to walk away, okay? Last year was and the time. Did, and it did not, by and large, did not burn Joe Banner. Except for Brian Dawkins. Well, yeah. And that, and that was not, yeah. And that, that was kind of a different situation, but the, you're absolutely right. That one did. Uh, and I'll give you another name when you bring up uh, Brandon Graham. Um, Jason Peters, when they when they brought back Jason yep. Peters this year after, you know, and they drafted a, his replacement in the first round. Jason Peters has left, I think, 13 of the last 19 games at some point. Um, I think it's a very fair point you make, Kevin, about keeping guys around because they're heroes. Sproles. The franchise. Right. I mean, even. Yeah, I'm even, sorry. No, I said, uh, you know, Darren Sproles bringing him back, which didn't really make a lot of sense either. You know, they, they, you know, and it's strange. I almost think there's a disconnect, too, between front office and coaching staff because of the Jordan Howard trade. You know, if it's almost like how he went and got Jordan Howard and. It's almost like he just gave this to, to Doug, and Doug's wondering, what the hell am I supposed to do with Jordan Howard right now? You know, and well, I we think should that- have run him in the first quarter last week, I think, but, <laughs> but whatever. Um, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I do know where you're going with that, and I do, and I, and I think that does play into certain things. Um, and how he does have the power. Uh, it's a little early on the Jordan Howard thing. It's a long season, and I think they'll figure that out. I certainly hope so, or maybe Miles Sanders will hold the ball. But I hear your point, and it's a fair point. How he won a Super, how he won a Super Bowl. Doug won a Super Bowl. These guys won a Super Bowl. They certainly get a lot more latitude than anybody has gotten in the history of our town because nobody else ever won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And when we look at 
going into this year and all the moves how we made, I was among the people who said like, hey, this is great. This is great. This is great. I did. I will say I always wondered. I always had questions about bringing back Jason Peters. Um, but when they brought in Jordan Howard, I thought, hey, that's terrific. You know, and they made some offseason moves that made sense to me. Zach Brown, that makes sense. Um, but it isn't coming together and how he's the GM and how he should not be exempt from criticism. And how he now is going to be on the hook, I guess, depending on what happens with whatever, if they get Jalen Ramsey. I mean, at this point, there's such a push because of what the secondary is that there's yeah. a feeling that you have to go get him. And let me add to that. Jadavian Clowney went for yep. a price that boy, I, if I were Howie, I would have done that deal. Yeah. Glenn, you know, if they lose, Thursday, and and I think it's going to be a game. I, I'm not saying they're going to win, but I don't think they're going to go there and just get beat by two touchdowns. Uh, but mm-hmm. if they lose, and, and especially if Dallas wins on Sunday, you know, people say, I don't think the season's over until, you know, there's still a long way to play, but it's really going to be, because people will be saying, let's go Sixers. You know, on, 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 I mean, really, I mean, because, you know, people just are already, skipping over hockey. Yeah. I, but I mean, it, it is a long yeah. season. They are going to get some of their guys back, you would think, and they're going to be better. But it's just like a punch in the gut because a month ago, everybody's like, hey, Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, I know. And uh, God, I just hate when you say the, the, the Cowboys are going to win this weekend. I know. And they, and they I'm are. sorry. The Cowboys, the Cowboys have had a very fortunate schedule early. Listen, that's yep. the way it works out. You just you get what you get. Uh, I think Cowboys do lose this week at New Orleans. Yeah, they could. Uh, I know, you know, with Breeze out, people think it's going to help them. But Bridgewater looked really good last week. Um, so we'll see. And then the Cowboys have Green Bay next week. Green Bay coming off of, you know, the rest from uh, their playing this Thursday. But the Eagles schedule is daunting in that they're at the Packers. Then they come home and, and play the Jets. And they better win that one 73 to nothing. Mm-hmm. But after that, you have three straight road games at Minnesota, at the Cowboys, and at the Bills, who, by the way, do not appear to be the pushover everybody thought they were going to be. Well, you better win. If, if you lose to the Packers, you're one and three. Then you play the Jets, you're two and three. Those three road games, you better win two of those to stay alive. So it's they've lost two games they could have won. They're going to have to make those up over the course of the next month. And that one of those two road games you're going to have to win is probably at Dallas. I mean, if you want to have any contact with the Cowboys going forward here, I would think. But. Yeah, I, yeah, or or you're looking at a wild card, which nobody yeah. likes. Yeah, sure. and Buffalo will be the third game, of, yeah. and that's usually a bad yeah. spot for teams, teams when they're playing the third straight road game. Glenn, let sure. me fl- let me flip you to the Phillies here. Um, I'm going to give you John Middleton's checkbook and his power. What are you doing with the Phillies? I'm firing the general manager. I don't care about anything else. I, I mean, you know, Kapler follows what he, is going to lead because you're going to get a new general manager. I don't think Lee McPhail is all that impactful. He says dumb things sometimes, but I, I think it's in the general manager. And I think Matt, Cl- Matt Clentak has failed this organization in more ways than one. And the biggest thing that worries me about Clentak is they are following a philosophy and teaching everybody in the organization pitch this way hit this way and we've seen how it's you, you saw how it killed the pitching staff this year well if they're, if they're having everybody in the major league level throw that way i assume they're teaching that from the lowest a level up and i don't like it and i also think this uh walk strikeout home run regimen which mm-hmm. is really you know let's go launch angle let's go exit velocity is going to hurt 
the team all the way down. And so I got to replace the GM to rebuild the entire organization. Do you think you will? No. <laughs> Boy, no, you're really I, getting me excited for next year, Glenn. I'm sorry. Listen, <laughs> Let's well, go you, Sixers. Get, here's, here's what will get you excited for next year is all the money he spent this year on hitting, I assume they're going to go out and get a couple pitchers because John, obviously John Middleton's not going to be happy with the results, but I don't, I, I think he's really invested in Clintech. I think Clintech's got a, got a hold on him. And so I think they're going to try to win by outspending everybody again. I don't even know what pitchers are on the market, who they can go out and Garrett get. Garrett Cole, but, Cole Hamels, Mass and Bumgarner. Those are the main guys. Uh, yeah, well, Hamels and Bumgarner, well, Hamels a little long in the tooth. Bumgarner ham, is having a pretty decent year. Not not what he was a few years ago, but I like him. It's going to cost you a lot of money. Cole. Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, sure. Well, they, yeah. they're going to spend money. That's yeah. the one thing they'll do. Cole's going to be tough, but, man, that would be a great guy. Uh, but, I, but I almost wonder, like, you know, if, if you do bring back Clintac and if you do bring back Andy McPhail and you do bring back Kapler, which I think is the long shot of the three, but obviously. Even if you bring back Clintac, you don't think he, you think he'll fire Kapler? Uh, he might have to. Oh, okay. No. Who might yeah. have to. Somebody's going to have to die for the sins and it's I got you. the manager. Okay. Right? I mean, I, I don't see how you sell a ticket. I know what you're saying about. I know what you're saying about they have a lot of money and they'll go spend for pitching and all that, but I think that the, if you brought in Joe Girardi or, or Madden what, or somebody what, like that, that, that wouldn't get. Yeah, people. I don't. But I don't think they're going to get either one of them. Okay, I'm just saying they got to get somebody. Yeah, but um, I can see him ta- gonna, going into the Tampa system. The games because they don't like the GM. Um, if you, I mean, you said Garrett Garrett Cole again. I don't. I think it's a long shot. I think so too. But if you do that and hang a flag up on Broad Street that says we got Garrett Cole, people buy tickets. They did that yeah. with Harper this year. What do yeah, you, right. I think they're going to try something similar. Do you do you view it as an indictment of Clintac that 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 Kapler Kapler? I don't think Gabe Kapler's dumb as a as a manager. No, but I I, I think that he just you know Angelo said this a couple of weeks ago, and it's the perfect term. He wasn't the right fit here. He never was the right fit here, and he never he never really lived down the sins of that first week in Atlanta of from last season in my mind. His opening press conference didn't go well. No. He is not a, you know, listen, he played for the Boston Red Sox and was a popular player there. So I, I don't want to say he's not an East coast kind of guy, but it didn't feel right for fans from the beginning. And some of that was probably unfair to Gable, but what that has always done is magnified every mistake he made. I mean, I have no freaking idea why he pitched a Freddie Freeman last week, which kind of was nine, nine for 41. <laughs> that's what he said. Nine for yeah, 41. That's such bullshit. Be- I mean, okay. Yeah. But you know, the, with the circumstance, the moment, the time, whatever that that's not uh, nine for, no, I'm not buying. It. Yes, yeah. you're right. He said that. See, now I'm getting mad. Yeah. The problem um, with analytics, Glenn, and because Ricky Bo said this on the post game, he thinks analytics are a part of baseball. He said, but when you go by analytics, then you're afraid to make a gut move because if you right. make the gut move, then everybody's going to say, well, why don't you rely on the analytics? So it's almost like he's always looking at the paper, and, and I get that. I, but it's Freddie Freeman for crying out loud. I mean, yeah, he's a slave. He's a know, slave to the number. What, what he's right seeing on on, a, on his computer screen. Um, and, and, you know, I've been a fan of analytics since the 1980s. I bought Bill James's stuff before it even came out in book form. I get it. But there is a, there is a, a, there's merit in everything, right? 
Um, but anyway, so uh, what was your question? No. Uh, <laughs> oh, Kapler. Uh, so Kapler never fit from the beginning. It makes us all see his mistakes. Kapler may end up being like Terry Francona, that he'll go somewhere and be a good manager. And people say, oh, you people in Philly, you were idiots. You didn't know. But no, it's not. It doesn't work here. It's 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 not the right place, not the right time. And I think the more disturbing thing, Glenn, when you look at it is they started this decade as baseball royalty. I mean, you look at it back in 2010. They brought in Halliday. They brought in Lee in 11. They won 100 games. They they did all that. And like their goal right now is let's get the 82 wins. But that happens. After spending, well, it does, Kevin. But it for, happens. But it's, for eight it's years, but for, not for eight years, maybe. But for eight years, they have been a non-factor, and yeah. everything that was built up in that era with Hamels and Howard and Rollins and Utley right. is completely gone. Right. right but now. if they get good again in a year or two, we'll. You know, we'll be back royalty. It's yeah, but it's, but their it's farm system is so way. bad I right get, now. I get what you're saying. Oh no, I get I what. A, yeah, it's a long way in the rearview mirror now. Way back mm-hmm. in the rearview mirror, and I, I mean, it was was it Clintac or McPhail who bragged earlier this year about the quickest rebuild in baseball? That was McPhail. Yeah, I mean, I miss that. Did hell? he say that? Yeah, he did. <laughs> Eight years, and they're still not going to make it. Eight years, and they're going to struggle to finish 500. Second year in a row, they've just collapsed and died down the stretch. You do have a great fan base in this city, but you know the fan base needs to be rewarded for its loyalty. And the sin of all of them this year, particularly the sin of Kapler, uh, specifically was going into the year believing this pitching staff, this starting staff was playoff worthy. And I think the bigger sin too for the organization is that out oh, that whole rebuild, they didn't get a lot out of it. You had Aaron Nola, maybe Reese yeah. Hoskins, and the yeah. farm system is pretty King, bare. Kingery. And Kingery. I mean Yeah, and, and Hoskins is really in doubt now. I mean, you know, Hoskins may prove to be a two forty hitter with 30 home runs who draws a ton of walks. Well, yeah. that's not exactly you know, guy not a middle lineup piece at this point. No, no. And, and Kingry took a step up, but I'm going to, you know, let, let's, let's at see. this point. Kingry is a nice major league player. He's not a guy to build a franchise around either. Glenn Mack now from 94 WIP, the Eagles, the Eagles pregame show. Let's the, go six. Or... <laughs> hold on. The Eagles pregame show, the Concha Hawk and brew pub. We should point that yep, out. That's right. The yep. big, the uh, big, uh, the the Philadelphia. Uh, give me the title again. The, the with the book with the Big list. Daddy. List. The the Great Book of Philadelphia Sports list. list with Big Daddy Graham. Which you can get where? Uh, you can get it currently on Amazon.com or BigDaddyGraham.com, and which you should because I think he gets an extra fifty cents a copy that way. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it will be in bookstores at the end of October. Glenn, thanks for lot for joining us. Uh, give, appreciate give Ray it. some good questions this week. Keep him keep him on his toes. Good good luck tomorrow night uh, or on the Thursday night. I'm sure it's going to be a fun pregame show for you. It'll be a blast, guys. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Good luck with the podcast. Thanks, thanks Glenn. Glenn. By the way, you left out. I do a beer show on uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia the, with my Joe man with, with, Joe. with with Joe Sixpack. Yeah, oh, coming back. Yeah, we he, just actually re-upped for 16 weeks. We're coming back in about another month. Beer is a great thing. Beer's a great, yeah, yeah, beer's a great thing. Beer's a great thing. That should be your slogan, Glenn. You know, that's a, beer that's is a, a great thing. I like yeah. that. Thanks, Glenn. All right, guys, be well. All right, Glenn Mack now.
now for joining us. Uh, Glenn, always fun, especially if it's cold beer. You do like cold beer. I'm not a big beer drinker. And neither am I, actually. But, but it's got to be cold. Like, it, you know, it has to be cold. Cold beer. And Concha Hawk and Brew Pub stuff is actually yeah. very good. It's, it's down at the ballparks. It's he's. I mean, Glenn's into Glenn's. He's all over, man. He's got lots of things going. Yeah. You know, it's good for him. <laughs> I admire people like that. And, and I, I really should, do. And because I, I sit in my house in Northeast Philly, where, you know, what, what's going on? And then he's doing like probably a million things a week. And I mentioned, uh, I mentioned this on there. The one of the things growing up, and you were active in the business at that point, but I was starting to grow up, was the great sports debate, and it was Glenn, Jason Stark, Mike Missinelli, uh, Al Morgani, and Al Morgani, Angelo. They will rotate four of them, yeah. depending on it. Howard, I think, did a few of it, uh, a little bit of it. Stan Hockman, the late Stan Hockman, did some. Unbelievable. Uh, that, that may be the worst Stan Hockman I've ever heard. Now, what was, it, what, was it, what was his word? Oh, God, I'm going to come up with But he had, like, that he would say that, and it was total Stan. And it was, it was Stan. I, I love being on Daily News Live with Stan. I did. Cause he was he was so a, prepared when he came on, and he always had, you know, something insightful to to add to it, and you know, I, I could I'll, I'll tell you this quick story. I did Philly sports talk. Uh, with it's Stan. a disaster. <laughs> I, I did Philly sports talk with Stan the week before the Patriots and Seahawks Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Stan was on and. uh you know, Michael mentioned something, and he's like, who would you rather be, you know, Tom Brady or Russell Wilson, I think was the poll question that day. Mm-hmm. And Barking goes, uh-huh. I'm like, I'd rather be Tom Brady, you know, because of Giselle, you know? And Stan looks at me and goes, it's for quarterback, not for who you're dating. Come on, Kevin. <laughs> like Some questions answered, some answers questioned. It was his column. It was every <laughs> week. I look forward to that because it was just he. I mean, he was great. We we should he get was, Barkan on the show. We could, and then we could ask him about the time when Stan asked um, the, the former Philly pitcher about b- buying uh, Nazi war memorabilia. Oh, Kurt Schilling. Oh, it was one of the. I'm on the show, and I didn't know it was coming. Yeah, you know, I'm just sitting there between them, and and Kurt comes on, and like the second question. Stan's like, well, you know, you know, and 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 Michael's face turned a shade of your paper towels there, and it was just the 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 most awkward like five minutes that that I would because I basically wasn't saying anything. I was kind of just sitting there looking at the two of them and you know following what Kurt was saying in response. And oh my gosh, it was and Stan never. You talk about guys asking tough questions. Stan never. Stan, as far as I can remember, didn't ask a tough question, yeah, or a question that needed to be a question that needed to be asked. Let's put it that way. Um, we talked about the Eagles in the first segment before we talked to Glenn, and we talked obviously a lot about it with Glenn earlier. Um, how do you feel about Thursday night? I I think just my gut feeling is they're they're going up there as a a wounded, desperate team. Sometimes when that happens, you respond. I don't know if it's going to be enough to beat Green Bay because I look Green Bay's looking at this. Green Bay's got Dallas to win. Green Bay wants to win this game, and it, yeah, and and they have every advantage in the world playing in Lambeau at home on a Thursday night where I don't think they've ever lost. And I don't know what kind of sample size that is, might because they haven't been playing Thursday nights forever. Um, it's a tough assignment. Doug's mm-hmm. coached there for like seven years, so Doug knows. 
I would be surprised if the Eagles lost by like 10 to 14 points. I think the line's like six, five, yeah, something I think like that. So. But it's just hard for me to see the Eagles going up there and winning. But stranger things have happened. The, the one thing, if you're in the If Eagles, it was Sunday, I think if they were playing Sunday, I think people would give the Eagles a lot better chance. Right. Well, I think it would also be more people have a shot to get healthy. Yeah, but even just, just the preparation, just the fact that you would have like three or four days to get ready for Favre. Uh-huh. And Green Bay, you used to be able to go up and play Green Bay and score. Now their defense is pretty good. Well, it's strange because this is a flip game because the, the defensively, Green Bay's defense is pretty good. And what Mike Pettin has done has been great. Yeah, Mike's, yeah. How about that? And you survived Cleveland. He, and you, yeah. Yeah, man. He's always been a great defensive coach. I covered Mike his junior and senior seasons at CB West. I covered Mike as how, a how head coach. God, I covered him in high school. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but then you flip it around. You know, the one thing I think that gives the Eagles hope in this game, that Green Bay offense has not gotten going. Yeah, but you better get to Favre. You've had two sacks. You mean, you mean Rodgers? Rodgers. I mean, you've had two. I'm not saying you got to sack him. Because you don't sack You got to get him off his spot. You got to get him off his spot. And mm-hmm. and he's so good when he's when he's off his spot sometimes. You know, he's, he's unlike Brady, who kind of has to be, you know, where he is and, and that. Rodgers can really hurt you sometimes when he gets out. He doesn't do it as much anymore because he's getting older. I get it. But and he's he, had some injury issues over yeah, the last couple of years. But when you look at the Eagles secondary, if you don't get a rush on him, isn't it just at some point he, he he's he's probably going to figure out ways to beat you? ESPN brought it up today. Green Bay has the 26-ranked offense to this point. Yeah, but, but they're three and zero. So it, you know, and and part of that is look. Who have they played? They played Denver. They played Chicago. They played Chicago. 10-3, Denver, 27-16. And Minnesota. So they've beaten two good teams in their division. I mean, I don't know how good the Bears are. Right. But the Bears this aren't is bad. Their, this is their third straight home game. Right. That, look at that division. Yeah. Hey, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, nobody has a loss yet. And that's the danger for the Eagles. Oh, no, right the now. Bears have a loss because they lost to Green Bay. Green Bay. I'm sorry. but that And they kind of got lucky against Denver, but it's a whole different story. Uh, no, they were controlling that game. Denver, well, Denver stinks. Dem- but Denver took the lead, and then they yeah, made the 60-yard okay. field goal at the end. Uh, here's the thing. No, I thought they won 27-16. No, no. I'm talking uh, Chicago. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. They should have lost that game at Denver. Right? Yeah. Um, rough in the passer. Yeah. yeah it, there yeah. was. Yeah, I know. Um, here's the thing, I think, if you're concerning for the Eagles. And, and you mentioned at the top of the show. Okay. I don't think Detroit is going to be a long-term factor in this, but Detroit may be in that mix for a wild card. San Francisco could be in the mix for a wild card. Well, they all have to play each other in the central. Right. Somebody's going to lose games somewhere. Right. Um, you know, do I, and I think Atlanta is going to be probably by the end of the year in the mix. That wild card, it's going to be a traffic jam for a wild card spot. You know, yeah, Seattle, who's going to be in there too. Well, yeah, you can and, have three and, conference losses. And, and and that's where, if you lose this game, that's well, where... yeah, obviously. But there, there's still 12 more games I, to play. I understand. But I'm saying you, you've you digged a hole deep. It well, of course they're digging a hole. They've dug a hole one and two. Right. And nobody expected them to be one and two. Two and one, maybe. Um, They get a break in that they play the AFC East this year. Even though that means you play New England, you get them at home. You won't probably won't be favored. I mean, a lot of things will happen before them, but you probably have more of a chance at home. I say that they have played crap at home, but I I always say that. Um, but you, you get, get the Buffalo. Jet, you get, Buffalo, we don't know what Buffalo, right. Buffalo could be could be decent, but the Jets stink and the Dolphins stink. I mean, that's like two gimme wins. 
you, you can't lose those two games. Um, but yeah, it, it's there looks like there's a lot of teams in the NFC that could somehow end up around nine or ten wins. Not all of them will, because other teams, you know, Detroit could lose five in a row or whatever. The Eagles could lose five in a row. But yeah, you start. The problem is if you're seeing this as a Super Bowl run, which a lot of people a month ago did. Well, that meant winning the division. Mm-hmm. That meant being one of the top two seeds. Yep. You might not get the top seed, but you, you want to be. Well, now a lot of those things are look like they could be off the table very quickly. I mean, if they lose the first Dallas game at Dallas, mm-hmm. probably winning the division. And, 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 and like I said, I think I agree with with um, Glenn. I think the Dow- Cowboys could lose this week. They could, and, and then probably beat the Packers the week after. Um, but if the you know, so I don't think. But you're right. To me, six losses is the most you can have to sit there and really say I, we got a chance. And like you're saying, ten and six may not be good enough if you end up tied with the Vikings, or if you end up tied with the Packers, or you end up tied with, um, you know, uh, God forbid, the Lions. I don't think it would be the Lions, but you know, all those things. But that's the problem. Is you, then you start counting off, you know, how many games can we lose? But like I said, they were four and six last year. And it was a little fluky that they got in with nine wins. But they did go and beat L.A. in a game that nobody gave them a shot. Nope, you're right. And they beat them pretty good for three quarters. So let's see what happens Thursday. If, 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 but if they're one and three, the season's not over. Now, if we're sitting here and they're like four and five going to Buffalo, is, is that – I don't know if that's – No, nah, that wouldn't be it. That would be – they would be at the – Well, they'd be three – they'd be four – they'd be maybe four – Three and four or four. Okay, and, th- three and yeah. four going to Buffalo. Yeah. You know, all That's of a game sudden. Eight. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to pile up losses. But like you've said a couple times, their end of the season schedule, at least on paper, looks like you. The, favorable. Well, more favorable than the middle stretch. And Dallas has a really tough. They have a tough, like a stretch kind of like the Eagles have. Mm-hmm. Uh, that five games. But I mean, who do the Eagles get late? They get the Dolphins. The Cowboys at home, the Redskins, Washington, the, the Giants twice. And look, the Giants might be better. They could with the new quarterback, but they are going to be without Barkley for four to eight weeks. That ain't going to help the new quarterback. No. Um. So yeah, I mean, the the bottom line is the Eagles are probably going to win a game or two this year that you that you would classify as losable games. You know, uh, we all know what that means. Losable games. You know, we're at Dallas. Uh, we're, okay, maybe they go and win at Dallas. It's not like they haven't won at Dallas before. But you can't lose almost. You, you've given up the margin for losing a game like the one you just lost. You, you know, If you go to Buffalo, and Buffalo could, could be a good team. Right. I'm not saying, but you really need to win that game, yeah. I think. Here's the schedule after Buffalo, by the way. Uh, the Bears at home. They'll be favored, Patriot, I, I think. Patriots at home? Eh, they'll, they'll be a slight underdog. Seahawks at home? I think they'll be favored. At Miami? That's a that's a win. Giants? Here or there? Here. It should be a win. At Redskins? That should be a win. Cowboys at home? Eh, you know, f- coin flip, maybe? At, at Giants. Yeah. And, and, I mean, like I said, you know, division games are division games. Yeah. You, know, you could go play Washington late in the year. Maybe they're playing their young quarterback. Who knows? Look at what the Giants just did. This week when that kid came in, everybody's like, oh, he's going to stink. He looked pretty good. So, and they got a lot of division games late, which they usually do. Um, I think you want to get to the, is the Dolphins the game that starts that stretch? Uh, so, Dolphins is game 12? Yeah. Okay. Thanksgiving. If you can be 7-4 and four going into the Dolphins, 
And that might be hard if you lose Thursday. Yeah. If you win Thursday, it's probably. I think that's still doable. But if 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 you're six and five going into the Dolphins, that might be tough too. Yeah, it's running the table. At you're that point. getting to the point. Yeah, and you're getting to the point where you're. I mean, do you really want to beat a six seed? Going to play. Well, whoever I'm, a, that would be. I'm a big believer of just just make the tournament and then take a shot. Here we've seen teams. It doesn't happen a lot, but it happens. If you're with all the injuries the Eagles because, have had, yeah, and that's the thing. If if it, you if you could be playing your best football in December, mm-hmm. it gives you a chance, even if you have to go on the road a couple times or three three times. But I think at that point you have to temper your expectations. You were talking about Dallas's schedule. Green Bay next week at the Jets, then the Eagles at home. Right. Then they get the bye after that. Then they go to New York. Which New York? Giants. Giants. Uh Vikings at home. Mm-hmm. Uh at Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh at New England. Mm-hmm. Uh Buffalo mm-hmm. at home. At the Bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buffalo is the Thanksgiving game. The Bears are a Thursday night game the following week. Rams at home, Eagles, and then Redskins. Yeah, it, but, and and at the Eagles, and there's there's obviously some some losable games there. I mean, yeah. Dallas isn't going fifteen and one. I don't think, but they may be setting themselves up as twelve as, and four. Well, if they win at New Orleans, yeah. If they lose at New Orleans, maybe you're looking at eleven. What one other thing? And, and, you I know, mean, do you think the Eagles couldn't sweep Dallas? I I can't. Oh, they sit could. Here. Sure. And and then if you do that, you have all the tiebreakers with them. I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen, right. but uh, you know what? I'm going to hold this till our podcast on Friday uh, because why are you going to hold it? Because now you just said it. Well, and I'll give credit Joe Stazak on 97.5, the mm-hmm. Fanatics uh, website. What did Joe say? Joe did a thing about the playoff. Yeah, how he doesn't think the Eagles got to make the playoffs. And he laid the, the the burden at Howie Roseman. And he looked at the first three picks of the last six drafts. Do you want to hear this list now, or well, do you want to hold it? I know some of them. Go ahead. All right, 2014, Marcus Smith. Oh, so we're going 14, 15, 16? 14, 15, 16. Uh, last three, first three picks of the last six drafts. Oh, last six. 14, go ahead. Marcus Smith, Jordan Matthews, Josh Huff. Okay, was was um, was Chip involved at that point? Chip was involved through okay. 20, uh, 14. Yeah. Yeah, see, I can't, I can't kill him because I don't know what Chip's involvement okay. was. Okay, twenty fifteen was Chip only. Okay, okay. Aguilar, Nel, uh, Eric Rowe, Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks was pretty good, yeah. and, and Aguilar, if if you if he was taken in the third round, you'd probably say okay, but he was a first round pick. That's the yeah. problem. And Eric Eric Rowe won the Eagles a Super Bowl as a as a Patriot. Well, you know, <laughs> all right, sixteen, Carson Wentz, yeah, Isaac Salmalu, yeah. Uh, Wendell Smallwood. I'm not. I've never been a Smallwood guy, but the first two pretty good. Well, so Miles not been good this year. But. Well, he hasn't been good this year, but he was good when they needed him to be good. And Wentz was would have been an MVP two years ago right. if he didn't get injured. Seventeen. Derek Barnett, Sidney Jones, Russell Douglas. Jury's out on the first two. I'm not a big Russell Douglas guy. I think he can help your team, but I don't think he's an impact guy. So I don't know. Do you think third round picks should be impact guys? I think you got to get one impact guy from the third round. Well, I don't over think, over like a four or yeah, five year. Well, I don't think he's it. He's not it. No. Uh, Eighteen. Goddard, pretty good. I think Goddard's fine. Avante Maddox, I think he's not bad. I mean, I'm not saying he's great. Here's a guy. I wonder how, how the hell he's on this team. Josh Sweat. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. But to be honest with you, I don't know enough about Josh Sweat to, to say anything in time. And then this year, it's obviously Dillard, Miles Sanders, and Arcata Whiteside, who yeah. is going to get heat because of the fact that he's not the guy who's with Kansas City who was drafted behind him. He's not the guy from Washington. But, but. See, I always look at it. But it's also week three. When you look back at drafts, to me, and, and this is a game you can play for, for who got drafted after the guys you took? And if three picks after you took some guys in the in the Pro Bowl, well, they may. But but at the time, maybe you didn't need that. Yeah. There's so much that goes into. It, but people, I've had people calling up this week saying, "Oh, you know, they 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 two years ago they could have had Joe Mixon instead of you know if they or, or the guy from the Vikings they could have traded up and got Dalvin Cook or, or it was one of those things they could have done." And I'm like, okay, but you could say that about almost any team. You know, they drafted here, but then four picks later, this guy was there. I mean. I just don't think Howie is the, the, like, roving genius that everybody well kind of makes him out to be. But I don't think he's stupid. But I hear Howie's Howie's made some great trades. I hear things on the radio all the time, and Howie we trust. Well, and I'm like, okay, like even this thing with Jalen. With Jalen, um, well, but that's the point. Howie's made some great trades. Yeah. Well, okay. Howie, Howie will figure out how to get this done. I'm like, okay, and Howie's good with the cap. But Howie's weakness is the draft. And yeah. at some point, you have to make But isn't this... that why they bought well, but, Douglas in? Well, and then he's gone right. now. But for two years, he was there, right? Yeah. One of the problems I think that they have is when you rely on trades, you really are at the risk you're, you're of older players. You're giving up assets. Right. You're giving up assets. Yeah. You're talking about older players who do break down. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean... Any team in any sport that's built through your draft is a better team. That just goes with hockey, um, basketball, uh, every sport. Basically, if you can build through your farm system, so to speak, or drafting out of college or whatever, yeah, you're going to be better. But it, it's, I think sometimes, too, when you live in a city and you mm-hmm. follow a team, you you're see much all the more, flaws. Well, yeah, because you're much more critical. Because it, it's like, I'm not watching the Falcons every day. So I don't know if their cornerback's really good or if he's okay or if he messed up these three things or when they drafted in the second round last year, did they take the guy? Because I don't pay attention. I don't I don't really care. Um, but, yeah, it's, 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 it's like this whole Jalen Ramsey thing. I get it. Jalen Ramsey's allegedly great. He's out there. You, you know, you, is, he, is he Revis? Like what Revis did for the Jets for all those years? I don't have, but is he worth two round, first round picks? And is he worth more so than that, the $120 million that you're going to give him? Maybe he is. And if he is, see, I always say, people say, well, you can't give up first round draft picks. Well, wait a minute. Are you getting Jalen Ramsey in the first round next year? Probably like, not. I, I mean, you know, they're going to be picking in the second half of the, of the first round. But I'm just saying, I would give up the two first round picks mm-hmm. for largely what you just said about their picks. But then they're going to have to confront the reality that this guy's going to walk in and say, I won 17, 18 million dollars. And then hamstrings you and you don't have the picks then the, no. to get a cheap. But when the Jets got Revis, I mean, look what he did for them for like four, five, six years. I mean, you put him out there, mm-hmm. you didn't have to worry about him. He was, you know, and, and, but once again, you're trying to make up for drafting the kid out of Washington yeah. two years ago. And, that, and of course, a, they, they will get Jalen Mills back here at some point. When you make a bad, I'm, I'm using the word bad. I don't know if if he's going to be bad or, or just average. But when you make a pick that if Derek Barnett turns out not to be that guy, for whatever reasons, well then you got to go out and draft another Derek Barnett. And it just kind of, you know, I'm sure the Eagles envisioned having Derek Barnett for eight to ten years, and he was going to. 
be a big part of their line. And when they drafted the cornerback, I'm sure they thought, hey, you know, he got hurt. But, you know, if we're getting a steal in the second round, we'll take the risk. And I had no problem with them taking the risk if they really – I just don't think the kid was as good as everybody thought. No. I don't think it has anything to do with the injury, but that's just me. Play in the Pac-10 or Pac-12. Well, Chip was big – well, that was after Chip, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. and I, look, But there's players that come out of the Pac-12 and they're good. Yeah. You know, not every – but I I, te- you know, I I love getting guys from Alabama, but not every guy that comes out of Alabama ter- turns out to be – you know, that guy, but I, I would just look at programs and like, you know, uh, it's drafting is such a crapshoot. It really, it's not like the NBA where, you know, there's 20 guys that everybody knows yep. and, and you can pretty much, and everybody will get a steal in the second round once in a while, Tony Parker, you know, but it doesn't usually happen. We will put a bow on the Philly season next week officially, but, so, but, Today is the, you know, if you're hearing this on Wednesday morning, obviously yesterday was the official elimination day for them as they lost the first game of the doubleheader to the Nationals. Uh, at best, they're looking at maybe 82 wins. Uh, See, I don't which care. Will, which will be two games better than last I year. I don't care. I don't know why people get caught up in that. I don't care if they win 80, 81, 82. It doesn't make a damn bit of difference to me. They didn't make the playoffs. See, but I think to this front office, it will. But Why? It was like, what, what was the same thing we, we talked about? Some coach, was it Hackstall? Yeah. No, it couldn't have been Hackstall. But it, it was like, well, you know, if he wins his last game, you, you got, and I'm like, what? Like, if, if you're going to pin you bringing a coach back on the last five games of a season or six games, that doesn't matter. You're out of it. You're done. Ria Molto's probably not playing. I don't know what. Harper didn't play. On, I don't know what the their energy level, but what I'm saying is, this can't be based on that. It, it can't. It, it's got to be based on the entire in the entire two seasons, maybe. Um, because to me, if you if you if the difference is of you bringing Gabe back is eighty three wins as opposed to eighty one, really, what does that mean? I, I don't understand that. That's just me. If, if it's a difference between eighty seven wins and eighty wins, and you said we should have won eighty seven games this year, okay, then then. Then, but to me, not making the playoffs is not making the playoffs. It's it. Can they use injuries as a legitimate excuse? Legit. Here's my problem. This team was built. We all talk about the pitching, starting pitching. Yeah. Well, okay. But their plan. I think you have to understand what their plan was. Now, if you want to say that they should have maybe went after Keuchel, that's a different argument. Like at that point. But their, I think that would be an argument most people will make. Their plan was. We've got Noah. We've got a Cy Young guy. We've got Arietta, who we think is a, is going to hold up and be a decent number two. And of these other three or four guys we have, we think one or two of them is going to step up. Now, now that's a lapse in judgment, but okay. And then they b- believed, and I think I'm pretty secure in saying this, they believed that even if they only needed one or two, they could be close enough at the trade deadline where they could justify going for Bumgarner. I don't or, even think it was that. I think it was that, and, and Ricky Bo again touched on this in the post game. Pitchers don't go more than six innings anymore. No. So if if all you're asking Pavetta to do is get you to through the fifth, they built up their bullpen. They thought they had a good bullpen, and actually the second half of the year the bullpen hasn't been horrible. They got Robertson, who was going to be, they gave him thirty million dollars over whatever they gave him. He's never going to pitch for him. So. 
That's a big blow. Then, then how many other relievers went down? Like three? Well, I had seven total. Now, I, I don't know how much those guys would have, but the one guy was pretty good, right? Or they thought he was going to be pretty good. Uh, well, Sir, Sir, Sir Anthony Dominguez. Like, so their whole plan, I think, was other than Noah. Morgan was pretty decent right. for half a year. Other than Noah and Ariad, And even in Arietta's case, he's going to be a six-inning pitcher. Noah's going to be a seven-inning pitcher. That's mm-hmm. the way baseball is played. And I think they thought, we're going to go out, we're going to have this pretty good bullpen that we can then rely on a lot, and our offense is going to score five or six runs a game. I heard that I heard that a hundred times. We're going to score five or six runs a game. You know what? The offense didn't. And eventually, and I know McCutcheon going out hurt. I, I he did it did. Um, and you lost your center fielder, although, but I don't know, you know, what you're but at some point, and I can't blame Harper because his numbers are good. I can't. But at some point, that offense has not done what it was supposed to do. And if it had, maybe you would have another three or four wins. And maybe you would still be in this, even though your chances might not, you know, you'd be two or three games back with six to play. But it, it just seems like we, the, we, we poo-poo the offense and just say, well, you know, the offense. No. The, the most disturbing thing for me is the fact that you have been laid bare on what your weaknesses are as an organization, okay? And I mean it like this. Um, you know, look, your farm system hasn't really delivered, okay? And, and there's not a lot coming through the pipeline. You don't have a lot of... Yeah, you know, it, It's great to have money, and it's great to be able to outspend your mistakes and everything. But the guys you can only make it a step forward, and... and you know, Reese Hoskins is the poster boy for this. Yeah, but the okay. farm system had nothing. It, it wasn't but, the reason this year. Reese Hoskins, what, you, you, what, you, who were you going? So, in other words, if you had a guy in the farm system who was your next Reese Hopkins, Hoskins, when Reese Hoskins is like 25 or 26 years old, teams aren't like that. But, but I'm, say, I'm like saying, that. when I mean the farm system is, they count on a guy like Mike Franco to at least be a supplemental player down their right. lineup. You didn't get that from them but, this year. But what I'm saying is forget that. It does, Mikhail Franco doesn't matter. You bought in five guys, five all-stars. You bought in McCutcheon. You bought in Riamolto. You bought in Segura. So we're supposed to reinforce what you have. That's fine. But but that's the team you started with. That's the team they told me was going to score five or six runs. It doesn't matter that some kid in AAA wasn't ready to play. You had a team. Why are you worried about what's in AAA? But, but you also, if you think about it, the, the general manager got exposed with a poor bench. Would you agree? They don't have a great bench. I agree. But if you had a $330 million guy, you have a guy at first base who's supposed to be pretty good, your second baseman is decent, your shortstop's an all-star, your catcher's an all-star, okay, you got a whole third. Whatever, maybe play king right there. Your left fielder is a former MVP. Your center fielder you thought was a former All Star. So, so I don't want to hear about. So what? Because they didn't have three guys to bring up from from AAA. That's the reason this team was what it was. No, it was what it was because for whatever reasons it didn't produce. If McCutcheon was the reason why a lot of that happened, so be it. Maybe it was. Things seemed to go a little downhill after he got hurt. But you can't have a lineup like they have. And the last three games is a perfect example. They scored six runs in games they had to win. You know, so that's not Boone's fault because he's down in AAA and isn't ready to play third base yet. You know, they, yes, their minor leagues weren't good. That's why they went out and signed Harper and traded for Segura and traded for 
But that's your team. How disturbed are you about Hoskins the way it's going this the final two months of the season? I'll be just more disturbed if it's next if he continues next year. I don't know what's going to happen. He he's so lost right now. It, it, it's it's and we've seen this with guys before. He's just lost for whatever yeah. whether they whether they got him thinking too much. Or I I I don't have the answer to that. I maybe the whole way they teach guys, but for whatever reasons he's lost and. He's one of your cornerstones. I mean, he's not, you know, Harper's your cornerstone and you got Rio Malto, but he's one of your guys that has to. So let's say he's not. Is it the farm system's fault that you, I mean, it is what it is. Some guys get up here. He was great for a little bit. And now he stinks. I, you know, how are they going to fix that over the offseason? And now they're going to go out next offseason and do the same thing they did because they have, they don't have, other than maybe the third baseman. Which I'm not sure about. I don't. The one they have a good pitcher, right? Or, or, well, Spencer Howard. Okay. Will, will he? Will he win 12 games he's next got, year? He's got 70. As Jason Stark said, he has 75 innings under his belt. Okay, so so I, he's I not. He's not coming up next year. Right. I would think. And, and the danger is when you go out and spend money on pitching. That's the danger. Most pitchers and get it flies hurt. Against, it flies against and everything Andy McPhail has talked about. Andy McPhail has been developed the arms by oh. the bats. Well, apparently, all the all the guys who were in AAA this year regressed. That's what I, I read a story yeah. that said. Because, is the way they're teaching them wrong? That's just that's up for John Middleton to figure out. Because I'm not there. I don't. I don't know. But. Next year, whatever they do in the offseason, I don't know what they're going to do in the offseason. We're going to sit here in March saying, oh, they're a playoff team. They could go, they, they're, they're, and, and, and okay, we're going to say the same things we said this year. Um, okay, fine. Maybe they are. I'll put you on the spot. Okay, it's a two part question on each of these guys. What I don't would, handle two part questions. Okay, well. what would you do, and what do you think John Middleton would do? Gabe Kapler. I, I'm not a Gabe guy, and maybe that's unfair. He just strikes me as. Not the guy. And I think Glenn's comments were perfect. He could be like... Um, Terry um, Francona. Go somewhere else. Who knows? I just don't think he fits this. And... What do you think John? What do you think Middleton does? I think the fact that 20,000 people were showing up for games. Now, maybe you go out and sign Garrett Cole, Cole. Um, and a couple other guys and... and I don't think fans are buying tickets because of Gabe Kapler or not, but I think there's just that interest level mm-hmm. where if they see Gabe again, every time Gabe does something that we're going to question, it just brings up bad. But I think Glenn, and not only Glenn, but other people, probably mm-hmm. you too, I just think Clintac, what has he done? Other than so you would John get rid Middleton's of you would money. get rid of Clentac too. I think I would get well. I think it, I think would you, uh, you would I wouldn't bring back Clentac and say get a new manager. Because I think that's the guy he wanted. I don't know if Middleton's going to do that. I, I, I just don't know. I mean, like, like somebody, like Glenn said, maybe Gabe's a sacrificial guy. You say, okay, you go up to Clentac and say, look, you're staying, but if you're staying, he's, he's going. going. And, and and the whole coaching staff goes, and everybody else. Well, goes. I don't know about the whole coaching staff. I mean, that, that well, Chris be, Young's going to go. That would be up to the new man. I think if the new manager comes in, whether it's Joe Girardi, right. Madden, or some guy, I've never heard. And Madden still has a job, so I shouldn't say Madden. He's, he's going to be Buck, gone. Showholder, uh, Showalter, Showalter. Yeah. I mean, there's guys out there, but knowing the Phillies, 
They won't hire any of those guys. They'll hire, and maybe that's the right move. I like. I keep hearing that the guy at AAA, right? People, Dusty Waffen was. That's fine. So you hustle, you hired Dusty, but you had a shot to hire Dusty two years ago, and you did it. And Dusty's going to coach the same way Gabe does. He's going. He's, he's, he's going to. It's going to be from on high. It's, it's going, going to be, be from analytics. It's going to be. I, I almost think the Phillies need to bring in, and, and once again, the, the guys have to be interested in this job. But I think like a Joe Girardi, if nothing else, and he. He won one World Series, okay. But get people, I don't know. I, I just think change at some point, change is necessary. Because this team just looks to me like they're very, um, they need I, a kick I, in the ass. That, that's, yeah, that's that's a good way of they putting it. They need a kick in the ass. And and, and, Gabe wants to be their friend, and I understand that. There Charlie, was never, Charlie wanted to be their friend, but there Charlie were, could kick. There was never a sense of urgency with this team. Never until it was too late. Yeah, but it's easy, it's hard. It's easy for us to say that from the well, outside, no. Kevin. But we don't know. It's like John Crook said that. But whoa, 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 whoa. They asked John Crook a question. And John's answer was, and I thought it was, because he's down there a lot more than you and I. Right. He says, I'm not in that locker room. He goes, I don't know what gets said after a game. I, and, and we don't either. So you're speculating and I'm speculating. You know, Gabe had a line today. He's like, these guys, and maybe they do. Maybe that's their way of trying, which means then you're not good enough. No, Which is what I'm saying, and this is the message that came from the manager too often of it's one game, we'll be fine. One game, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. To a point. Until you get to the point where right. three weeks to go, you're like, we got to win every game. But I understand like, I understand that sometimes. If a manager comes out in the second week in August and says, ah, my, you know, Christ, we got to win this three game series, and you don't. What do you do then? Like, but, what's the next? It's like, but, it's like if Doug went up to the Eagles this week, guys, this is our season. We got to win this game, and then they don't but, for but whatever Mike, reason. Mike, what do you say? Where, on I'll say? where I'll say that this is different in my mind is you cannot do the we have to win this series, all that. You can that's fine, I get it, but you can also manage with more urgency. You can take care of situations better than what Kapler did, as far as guys who are underperforming have a seat on the bench. Guys who aren't hustling but, but have a seat on the you bench. You just said that their bench wasn't good, so if you like, I, I heard the argument. The one time there was a point, I think it was earlier this month or late last month, and somebody said, we'll take Segura out of the lineup. And his point was, we're three games out. We need to win every game. He's playing. Well, that sure sounds to me like a sense of urgency. So his logic was, I got to send my best eight guys out there. Your logic is, well, you know, Segura needs to sit. Okay, fine. And who are you throwing out there? And then if they lose that game because Segura didn't play, you're going to say, well, the manager did. There's, There's two ways of looking at that. I get that. When you're, maybe if you're three games up in the wild card and Segura screws up and you say, I'm benching you, or like when the Braves manager did it to a, well, the Braves were like. Five up. Yeah, there's there's different, I'm not saying that he, I think what he should have done was got on those guys early in the year. That's, like the that's place kind where, of where I'm going with this. Yeah, but, it, but it's, I don't May think and June. I don't think that's a sense of urgency thing. I think that's just the way he Manages. He wants to be. He'll, he probably wants took, to be their buddy. He probably took Hernandez in the locker room and said something to him. And whatever it was, it didn't get through because the one time when he benched Hernandez later, Hernandez was like, "Well, yeah, I don't, I don't you know." It was. So maybe that's a communication skill thing. I don't know. I'm not. Once again, I'm not there. But I think at some point when you get into September and and, and you're you're trailing, I think I think there was a sense of urgency because it was like we need to win. We need to win. They just. I think at some point we, as a fan base, have to sit here and go, they just weren't good enough. But we never want to say that. We never want to say, 
you know, our team just wasn't good enough. Uh, it was this guy didn't coach right. This guy didn't do this right. This guy, okay, fine. All right, so you would you if you were in charge, I would get rid of Kapler. You would and get, I would probably get rid of Clentac because I think they're joined at the hip. And at this point, Andy McPhail. I don't know what Andy McPhail does. does. I, I I I would get rid of Andy too. I don't know what he does. I, I if I I I don't know. I, you tell Andy me, McPhail you, is you Debbie Downer. Andy McPhail does. I, I, you know, does he make decisions? Does he make? Does he I, tell Clentac what to do? I think he lets Clentac do what he wants to do. Then but what I think, point does he serve? Exactly. Okay. But I, I think he's supposed to be the adult again, in the room. I don't, I don't know what John Miller... Yeah, I mean, does Charlie come back? Who knows? But, I don't know. I'm, I, I know, know Charlie will be an advisor, but he won't, uh, he's not going he to back. Is he's he, not going to be back at the dugout. Okay, fine. I, they have produced better since he got in there, but I, that's I just think lock. if you're the Phillies... I'm not saying the big-name manager is always the way to go, or it's... I, I don't mean that. it's an era when baseball is moving away from the big name manager. Yeah, but too. I but if you got guys like Showalter and um, Girardi and maybe Madden, probably Madden. I'm just saying you have to at least look at them if if you if you're going to get rid of Gabe. I would. I if would. You're not going to get rid. Like I don't think they should get rid of Gabe just because they think they're going to oh. get one of those guys. They should have a guy in mind. They they they, they should if they want to get rid of Gabe. If that's the plan, okay, fine. Then start. Zeroing in on the on the guy that you think is out there that you think can take this group of guys with a few additions here and there and turn it into a playoff team next year. I I will tell you right now. I I would because if we're sitting here if we're sitting here next year having this conversation, mm-hmm. that's not good. And the Braves ain't going anywhere. And the, the Nationals well, aren't going. The Nats to- might lose Rendon and they might lose Scherzer. Yeah, guess what. The, the Mets are the Mets the are, Mets be good are again. decent, but you, but they're the Mets. I mean, I, I I've heard this before about the Mets. So, I the Braves are the team I worry about. You're looking at a fourth place finish for this team in this season. Yeah, but it don't, like I, once again, I don't care if they finished second in the division and didn't make the playoffs. Would you feel better? You make so much of that. What are going to finish no, no. behind the Mets? Who cares, Kevin? It does. If you finish under 500 and you finish fourth, but it doesn't matter, Kevin. It doesn't. What would if you finish? 82 and 80 as opposed to 80 and 82 what difference does it make it makes no difference why are you trying to make it make a difference it I, doesn't i'm just telling you I you're think, just telling me what i think for this organization mike they so if they finish it is the biggest embarrassment that they Oh, it will be a bigger embarrassment that they finish fourth. The only embarrassment because, should be that they hold finish. On, Mike, let me finish. Jesus Christ, Mike, go, go, Kevin. Finish. Tell me why it's such a bad thing. Because they ridiculed the Mets. So and they what? hold on. I, I'm saying from their organization, from their point of view, it will be an embarrassment if, to them finishing behind the Mets after and they then kick the and, Mets and, ass and, and, all year. And, and, give me the next line. They're embarrassed because they finished behind and the I Mets. I think that's where the changes come. That's fine. I don't. That, that's fine, but you're making it sound if they're going to get rid of Gabe Kapler because of two games, they're nuts. Then they don't know what they're doing. John Middleton does not know what he's doing. If he's going to make the difference between finishing a game behind the Mets or a game ahead of the Mets, his reasons. That's what I'm saying to you. You make it sound like that's the reason. The reason should be I don't want I'm Gabe. I'm telling you, I think that's the, the reason. The reason going- should be I don't want Gabe Kapler to be my manager next year. If I won 84 games, if I won 84 and 78, I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like the way this is going. But it shouldn't be, oh, my God, we finished four. If they finish second in the division and they were 84 and 78 and the Braves finished 10 games ahead of them, that should be enough of an embarrassment to me that we thought we had a team and we finished 10 games behind the Braves. 
I don't care about the Mets. I don't care. I, it, finishing second is, is the same as finishing third, is the same as finishing fourth. It doesn't matter. Now, if you won 75 games this year, it'd be, then we wouldn't even be having this conversation. But if your management is going to make a decision of that magnitude based on a two-game differential in your record, then you know what? They got bigger problems than Gabe Kapler. That's all I'm saying to you. And you can sit there and analyze it any way you want and say, Mike, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you how I so feel you think after. John Middleton's going to go in a room. I think he's um, going to be pissed that he's going to finish fourth. Let's say, let's say they win four or five of these last six, and they don't finish behind the Mets. They finish ahead in the Mets. That's going to influence his decision? I think it may. Oh, well, well you know what? So he's going to bring Kapler back. No, no, they I'm not saying on Kapler. I think Kapler is going to matter what. But I think on Klintak, I think on Klintak and McPhail, it may well, matter. Well, you know what? If teams, because if that's gonna, how teams are run, then this is why they lose. Because you cannot make decisions based on a game or two. You can't. You, you can't. It was a disappointing season. They're going to finish around 500. Okay. For the first time in seven After years. After spending half a billion dollars. But if they won 83 games, I got, am, I, am I less disappointed? This is what I don't understand by your logic. It, it does, it, 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 if I won, if the difference is 80 to 82, that's no difference. It's the same. It's the same record. I, I agree with you on the 80 to 82, but I do think in terms of the standings themselves, when you look at where you rank in your division, it does matter. It does matter that you're going to finish 20 games behind the Braves. It does matter that you're going to finish 10 games behind the Nationals. It and it doesn't, doesn't matter that you finish a game behind the Mets. I'm sorry. You're wrong. If you're, It's wrong logic. Because then you're just, then it's like, Mike, it's not necessarily my logic. But you're, making, but you're making it sound like you know that this is John Middleton's logic. I believe it's John Middleton's logic. Fine. But I'm trying to say to you, that's a case of then who, who, who's got the bigger kahunis. Like, Boy, we can't finish behind the Mets. Huh? What the, you, the Mets finished 81 and 8 or 82 and 80, and you finished 81 and 81, and now disaster. That No, the disaster is that you finished 10 games behind Washington, who gave up Bryce Harper, and 20 games behind the Braves. That's what should be fueling your decision. Not that you finished, it, 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 by the same logic, if you finished third a game ahead of the Mets, that shouldn't impact you at all. It should be what you did finishing behind Washington, and the Braves. End the story. There is no more story. Oh, that, that's ridiculous. And, and that's the kind of stuff you should be embarrassed that you got Bryce Harper from the Nats and they finished 10 games ahead of you. Yes. You should be embarrassed that the Braves, who you were ahead of by like five games in May, are now 20 games ahead of you. But I don't care about the Mets. I don't care that the Mets came on in the second half and made a run and finished a game ahead. I don't care. It's, it's, it is... So irrelevant to the discussion of Kapler and Klintak that it has no merit. But if you want to think it does, or you want to think inside the Phillies' offices it does, fine. And when he has his press conference announcing he's making changes, well, you know, finishing behind the Mets was just too much for me to take. Come on! No. God. If the Mets had passed him and maybe finished seven games ahead of him, Okay, where did the Mets come from? Which may happen. So. Oh, you know what, Kevin? It's such a, it's <laughs> it's kidding. such an irrelevant what? argument. I'm just telling you because I hear you saying that, and I'm like, no, there's no that doesn't the fact that the the the, the other two teams basically lapped you, one that lost your best player, 
That should be one. That should one, be a concern. There was an eleven game gap between the the Nationals and the Phillies at one point. That's hard to believe. Did the Phillies were up on the Nats by eleven? 11. Yeah, but the Nats they've played like the best baseball in in, in since yeah. like June first, right? Yeah. But it was I still 11. find it amazing, and this is just me. I'm an idiot that you can lose Bryce Harper. Well, when you have Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, but you still, but your bullpen sucks. That is, that's the amazing part. You still lost Bryce Harper, one of the two free agents who everybody said, got to get one of these guys. And you're still going to finish 10 games ahead of the team that got Bryce Harper. Mike, I I said this a couple weeks, or last week when we had Jason on. Uh, If I'm the Dodgers, I'm very worried about getting the Nationals in the first round. That's fine. The Nationals, right. the, the Nationals are Bravo to the Nationals. They got. My, I'm just saying to you, it. Could you imagine if the Phillies had lost Bryce Harper to the Nats mm-hmm. and finished ten games in front of them the next year? We'd be sitting there like, oh, there's a parade going on so in Washington fun. tonight. I'm just saying, I I find that, and and if we would have been having this conversation in early and, May, and by the way, who thought the Phillies weren't going to be in the playoffs? And, bef- and before and before we go. And I don't mean to the, go, I'm just, I, it, no. it just bothers me. But uh, uh, Kapler, Clintock, gone. All I, gone. I will be fascinated. One thing that's going to be interesting to see is if if Bryce Harper has any influence in all this. Yeah, when you're a $330 million man, you're here for 13 years. So who's he going to want? I, I'm wondering if the owner goes, hey, Bryce, what did you think about playing for Gabe this year? Hey, Bryce, what do you think of where we're going? Hey Bryce, hey Bryce. See, I don't the think brain. I don't think he should do that either. Because I don't think so either. Players are always going to defend the guy because they probably like playing for him. I mean, the the players probably sit there in the thing and say, "We didn't play well enough." I mean, I I just think I don't think they're going to sit there and go, "We lost because of Gabe." Yeah. You know, Gabe's always got my back, and Gabe, you know, Gabe never throws me under the bus in in public, and and it's just to me, it's it's just I I I I, I just I have a hard time grasping the fact. I mean, if to me, and part of what you say is true. I don't think people buy tickets for that reason. But if they come back with Gabe well, Kapler, people, people go, won't buy tickets. Well, no, because if they go out and get a pit, pitcher or two, if they go out and get Cole Hamels and get uh, See, the guy from Houston, people will sit there and go, "Hey, they're good. They're, they're they're good. They went out and got their pitchers. They they just like last year. They shored up all their holes. The people, but but it'll just leave such a bad taste in a lot of fans." You know, it's it's like the Brett it's it's like the Brett Brown thing. Yeah. I mean, people who say Brett Brown is never they're never going to win a championship. Well, you know what? They came within a triple doink of maybe the making final. Eastern Conference Finals. But I hear you. It's just a, you know, but I think that Gabe Kabler. It's just you look at him, and I like Gabe. I don't dislike Gabe. He seems Gabe like is a nice, nice guy. guy. But man, I, you watch those interviews, and you just, it's it's enough. It, it, it's just like enough. I'm. T- Bring yeah. me, bring me a new, a new, a new. And I think it w- if it was a name guy, not that and, name guys win, but I think it would energize a little bit, you know. And, and my advice for whoever, and this is before our, our last word before we go, my advice for whoever, however the power structure is set up going in next year, don't make your manager be the front guy all the time. I think that part of the problem they had was Kapler was out there having to defend everything twice a day while the general manager and the president disappeared yeah, for that's a just lot the way of cases. Uh, president, but, president is, I mean, how many times does Howie talk? Really? Let's be serious. Two times. Yeah. Hey, really? Does Howie talk? No. The owner makes himself available once or twice a year. How many times is Howie quoted? 
Never. Never. So it doesn't have anything to do with that. Clintech's not going to hold. But baseball is also a different sport because he's not going to hold a weekly day. press conference if that's what you're getting to. Clintech? No. He's not. I mean, what's he going to say? Does he want to answer the tough questions? You really think you know, that the guy, the guy in front of him, always did? Ruben was there every week. Well, Ruben's, Ruben's different. Ruben was from or this one camp. of Ruben's assistants or whatever. Yeah, but Ruben was different. Clintac, I mean, because I knew they had to take some of the heat off the managers. And I just think you know they're. I I don't see that happening. I I even I don't if, see it happening. Even if either. there's another manager, like like if the new guy comes in, whoever that new guy might be. I don't see them changing. Why would you change? Why, why would Clintac change? He well, is. Who I'm he, saying that if it's a new general manager, you have to do take. Oh, that. if it's well, I think it'll depend on the general manager. Yeah. If it's Ru- if if he has a personality like Ruben, I mean Ruben for whatever reason felt like I think Ruben took it personal sometimes. You know, he, he sort of slings and arrows and. Ruben liked to defend himself, and but and Ruben, Ruben also had a good oh, no. feel for what was the good back. And I forth, think he so. did, and and Ruben, I think he handled things pretty well, um, for that time. But I don't know if that new guy's going. You know, if, if if you don't feel comfortable going in front of reporters, and some guys don't, some guys love it. You know, but well, Brian Cashman's on on the fan once a week with Francesa. You know, even if they're maybe well, they he's lost. the one left. Apparently, he'll talk to Francesca since. Well, but I'm saying he, Brian Cashman <laughs> doesn't have to do that, right? But I guess he, I guess here's my main point. It, it, you can't have the manager if the manager's taking all the slings and arrows as the general manager. You are owed to take some of them off him at some of the point. That's part one. Maybe part two. They did a victory lap this this off season. Sure, they did. They and. Even if they come back, they better be. And we did, too. Yeah. Yeah, to a point. To a point. But the general manager and the president, if they do come back, better be humbled. Well, I just think people, too. And and you mentioned Howie, and we'll use the Howie scenario. Howie, when Howie got demoted, Howie did come back humbled. Now, that might be. Well, he won a Super Bowl. Right. I mean, I think, too, fans are going to be a little less likely next year, even if they do some good things on paper, some good things in the offseason, get a pitcher or two or whatever. I think people are just going to be a little bit more like that. Eh, okay. You know, we, we fell for this last year. I think they'll be excited, but I don't think they'll necessarily be like, oh, we're going to beat the Braves. We're going to be, you know, because like I said, I don't know what the Nats are going to look like next year. I don't know what the Mets are going to look like next year. I pretty much know what Atlanta is going to look like next year. Um, so that'll be interesting, but you know what cures all that? You win. If the yeah. Phillies had 94 wins this year, do you think Gabe Kapler would be having slings and arrows? No. No. So... It's like any other thing in this world. When Brett Brown, <coughs> excuse me, you know, lost the first two games and you wanted to get rid of him or whatever. But when Brett, when the Sixers have bad outings mm-hmm. in the playoffs, right? The one, the one game they said, well, Brett threw up a bad, or they didn't have a good play, right? The, it was against Boston game, last year. No, the game seven that they lost to Toronto. Remember, they had like three possessions where they got yeah. 24 second calls, calls or something. And everybody's killing, and maybe rightfully so. Maybe, who knows? But winning, if you... If cures it, it all. And if they would have made it to the Milwaukee series, yep. you know, and that's and and the Eagles won. Yep. That's the one thing you have to give them. And you can't take now at some point, yeah, it'll you know, three, four, five years down the line, we're not gonna it's like the Phillies, you know, oh eight, and then they had three good years after that, and then but eventually it wears off. So the only thing that doesn't wear off in this world is me and you. Or you and I. I guess it's you and I, right? You and I. Yeah, yeah, we're back on Friday. Um really? Friday night. We're it's just gonna be a picks episode this week, I think. Okay. Cause honestly, I don't know on a Friday night who we could get as a guest. Do you have an idea for a guest? No. Gabe Kapler. Gabe Mac, will be Mac busy. Clint, Matt Clintac. He might not be busy. 
Um, Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe Rio Muto might not be busy. He might just be sitting in the dugout. Uh, we'll do, try to see about football. Maybe, maybe we'll, do a, we'll do a quick one. We'll do, we'll do we'll a quick do, one. We'll do picks. Yeah, because we'll we went long tonight. Uh, right. Anything, we're, we're anything else you want to add before we go? Are the Phillies winning the second game? They are up 4-2, but the bases are loaded for Washington bottom of the And Noah's pitching. Yes. Okay. Um, Interesting. Against Scherzer. Bamboo Brad had a uh, three-run homer. The bamboo plant didn't work. It's... Uh, <laughs> look, I, I... By the way, Friday will also be my Notre Dame... My Notre Dame salvation game because I I actually feel really good about Notre Dame after what happened good. this week. I'm, I'm glad you feel really good that they went to Georgia and almost won. Yeah. Because that's what you do when you're Notre Dame. I, again, yeah, did they play well? Yeah. Great. They, I mean, you know, they, they weren't supposed to win, so it's okay, but but th- those... Nah. Nah? No, I mean, it might mean... Does this mean they're going 11-1? and one? They, they may win out. Okay, fine. When they win out, then I'll say, hey, they're pretty good. Let them win out. And then let, get, let, get let, them be, let them beat Michigan. Let them beat USC. Because you're, you're just assuming that they're, they're going to beat these teams. Okay, maybe they will. But, you know, Michigan might be a different team in three weeks, four weeks. I don't know. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. You got it, babe. He's now humming the end words. Thank you very much for joining us. This has been Work of the Beat. I'm Kevin Cooney. Take care.